Bhagavate Sri Chala Ramanaya. Your next question is verses 942 and 943 of Guru Vachaka talk about severance of a knot. Does severance of a knot indicate the complete destruction of ego? Yes. That is, the knot is ego. The knot is, means the, the chit jadagranti. Um, that is the conflation of the chit and the jada. That is, I am the body. That is the granti. The false awareness, I am this body, which is ego, is the granti. When that is sever, when, when we cling to ourself and the adjuncts all drop off and we remain as we actually are, that is the annihilation of ego, that is the cutting of the knot. So the knot is ego, and the cutting of the knot is, is, a, is a metaphorical way of saying destruction of ego. So what Bhagavan says in, this, um, in these two verses of, um, of Guru Vachakurvai, um, uh, <coughs> By saying now, just utra noyaku ulum uleame. That means not, um, not being, um, not being uh, heartbroken, or we can say, not being, uh, not, not being perturbed um, uh, by um, whatever. Um, whatever sufferings may come. Imbatum chittum orusatrum tileyame. Not when the mind doesn't, the mind not becoming immersed in, or um, yeah, not becoming immersed in um, in the pleasures of life. So, so not being perturbed by, not being, yeah, not being perturbed by the pains of life and not getting, losing oneself in the pleasures of life. Um, uh, Otu angu ulavum udasina upashanta neme. That nature, that um, the, 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 the <coughs> The nature of um, of remaining equally indifferent and peaceful, in, in that means whether there's pain or pleasure, being equally uh, um, uh, udasina means indifferent to whatever is happening. Upashanta means peaceful. So being peaceful, that is the the uh, granti beda kuri. Kuri that means like. Uh, Lakshana, that is the, the mark or the sign of Granti Veda. Um, so basically, the, the meaning is um, not being not being perturbed or, or uh, affected by any amount of pain that may come, uh, not uh, the mind not immersing itself in the pleasures that may come. That is, let pains come, let pleasures come. We're indifferent to them all. So being uh, being indifferent to both, equally indifferent to both, and thereby being peaceful, that is the sign of, of Granti Beda. Actually, Granti Beda is the annihilation of ego. So when the annihilation of ego is there, 
there's no pain, no pleasure, nothing. But from the perspective of the onlooker, the jnani may still, we, we take, because in our view, the jnani seems to be a person, seems to be a body and mind. It may seem to us that the jnani is undergoing so many pleasures and pains. Bhagavan, towards the end of his life, his, he, was, he had sarcoma, an extremely painful cancer. He was unperturbed by that. Whatever pleasures or pains may come, being equally indifferent to them, being equally peaceful, uh, that is the sign of Granti Beta. But as I say, this is only from the perspective of the onlooker, because from Bhagavan's perspective, there's neither pleasure nor pe there's no world at all, there's nothing. There's just pure being. But th this is all, uh, this description is made from the perspective of from our perspective, when we take Vanyani to be a person. And then um, the next verse, um, uh, not thinking about what has passed, what has happened, what has gone before, um, uh, and not thinking about what is to come, what is to happen in future. Um, uh, um, but remaining as an unattached, oh yes, be, being, uh, uh, yes, remaining unattached to whatever may be happening in the, in the present. So being indifferent about the, not thinking about the past, not thinking about the future, being indifferent, being a, a being a witness, there, witness means in the sense of one who is detached, one who is not concerned about whatever is happening in the present. Uh, upashanta, again he uses the word upashanta, by, by, that, uh, by that peace, uh, rejoicing in that peace of remaining indifferent to all these things, that is the greatness of, uh, of, of uh, severed knot. That is, that state in which the knot has been severed, the greatness of that state is that one is unconcerned about past, unconcerned about future, unconcerned about whatever may ha be happening in the present. Just remaining peaceful, unaffected by all these things, that is the greatness of uh, the severance of the knot. So when ego is annihilated, from the perspective of the, what remains after ego is annihilated is only our real nature, which is pure awareness. So from, our, from the perspective of the jnani, who is jnana itself, the, who is, <coughs> that Bhagavan often used to say, jnana me jnani. Jnana me jnani means jnana alone is the jnani. Jnana means pure awareness. So the jnani is nothing but pure awareness. So for the jnani, there's no past, no future, no present, no happening. But from our perspective, we see the jnani as a person. That person whom who we see will be indifferent to the past, unconcerned about the future, and unconcerned about whatever may be happening in the present. That is the, uh, that great, the greatness of that, um, of that, uh, um, being peaceful and unaffected by any of these things, that is the greatness of Granti Beda. And then the next question you asked is you refer to verse B19 of Guru Vachakukavai, which also happens to be verse 16 of Upadesha Tanipakal. Um, 
I think that what you quote here is an older translation. I'll, I'll read my I'll read my more recent translation. The state of sleep in waking will result by subtle investigation in which one always examines or keenly attends to oneself. Until sleep shines blending in waking and dream, incessantly perform that subtle investigation. And what you ask about this is, does severance of the knot described in the above two verses result in wakeful sleep? Or does inquiry continue beyond that until it results in wakeful sleep? No, but the state in which the ego has been annihilated, in other words, the state in which um, the knot has been severed, that is itself what is described as wakeful sleep. So no further um, investigation is necessary. Once ego is annihilated, there's no one remaining to investigate anything. So the, the state of, when Bhagavan says here, the state of sleep in waking will result by subtle investigation, that state of sleep in waking is the state in which ego is destroyed. Until ego is destroyed, that is, until sleep shines uh, pervading or blending in waking and dream, in other words, until waking and dream are completely swallowed by that, that sleep of pure awareness, um, it's called the sleep. Why, why it is called sleep in waking? It's sleep because they, we are not aware of anything other than ourselves. <coughs> it is waking because we are fully awake to our real nature. So, sleep. Uh, sleep in waking, or Jagrat Shashupti as it's also called, that is another name for um, Churya, for the state of pure awareness, in which ego is completely annihilated. So in, that will be brought about by this subtle investigation in which we always attend to ourself. Until it results, we need to uh, incessantly perform that subtle investigation. That's what Bhagavan is saying there. So the, the, the state of wakeful sleep is the state that results when the ego is annihilated, when the knot is severed. Is, is that a, have I answered those two questions clearly? Yes, yes you have. Thank you. Do you have any further questions on that? So, so, so Bhagavan sometimes um, um, when when people came to him and told about their uh, circumstances, he he wept with them. Yeah. But he, the difference between him and us is we we just don't um, experience that and move on, forget about it. But we hold it on. Yeah. How do we? Because when uh, as we progress in the practice, we say, for example, I don't think about something that happened ten years ago or five years ago, but I might still think about something that happened two days ago or a week ago. So it's still the same. Yeah. It's, so, so we have to basically experience that and and let go, not yeah, hold yeah. on to that energy. Yeah. When we say Bhagavan wept, we are seeing Bhagavan as a person. And Bhagavan himself said that the jnani is like a mirror. So when people come before the jnani, all their emotions and everything is reflected in the jnani. And also people see in Manyani what, I mean, if, if, for example, if we read the reminiscences about Bhagavan, we can clearly see how everyone who is writing about Bhagavan 
is seeing Bhagavan through their own colored glasses. No two people see Bhagavan the same. Because what they see is, as Bhagavan says, he's just a pure mirror. So people see in him, uh, it's ultimately it's a reflection of ourself. But what he actually is, is that pure space of jnana. So he's ever unaffected by all these things. But because that pure space of jnana is, is itself the infinite ocean of love, when people come to him, come to the, the person we see as Bhagavan, that love is reflected, in, I mean, that we see that love expressed in the form of the tears that he, ex he weeps. But those tears are the reflection of the misery of, of the bereavement or whatever of those who come to him. So we, as Bhagavan says in, I think it's, I think it's verse 31, if I remember, yeah, 31 of Uludunapadu, how can we understand the state of the one who, who, who is aware of nothing other than themselves? So Bhagavan is not aware of anything other than himself. We see him as a person and we try to understand that person. But, that, but we cannot understand Bhagavan because unlike all other people, there is no ego there. So what we see, what, how Bhagavan responds in different situations, we can't always explain why Bhagavan sometimes so many, there were always in the ashram, for example, there were always so many politics, so many fights were going on, and sometimes good devotees like Murugana were not treated well. Bhagavan is seemingly indifferent most of the time, but occasionally he'll intervene. So who, how can we understand why Bhagavan sometimes will uh, seem to intervene, and most of the time he seems to be completely indifferent to all that is going on around. So we cannot adequately understand, but whatever he, however he responds to each situation, it is the best, it is what is best for all concerned. So when Bhagavan was seemingly indifferent to all the um, ill-treatment that Murugana received, it is because that is what is best for Murugana. So uh, we, 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 cannot, we cannot explain every action of Bhagavan. But we, because it is whatever actions uh, we see in, that, in the person we call Bhagavan, those actions are a reflection of the pure being that he actually is. All his actions are perfect even if we cannot understand them. Well, we, we surely cannot understand them, but still, whatever he does, that is the perfect thing to do in that situation. But it, we won't be able to comprehend it. We won't be able to understand why Bhagavan does like this sometimes, why he does like that. We cannot understand. The truth is, Bhagavan doesn't actually do anything. He just is. But in our view, he seems to be doing. And whatever he does in our view, that is what is best. In fact, everything that happens in our life, all the, the joys and sorrows of our life, all the seemingly good things and seemingly bad things, all are what are best for us. Everything that we are given to experience in prarabdha is what is best for us.
So we cannot un adequately understand these things, but, but we, and we need not adequately understand these things because the only responsibility Bhagavan has given us is to incessantly pursue that subtle investigation. Until we lose ourselves in that infinite ocean of pure awareness, pure love, pure being that we actually are, we need to incessantly pursue that investigation. Thank you, Michael. This has been such a privilege. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all Bhagavan's doing. <laughs> We've only talked about what Bhagavan has taught us. <laughs> Om Namo Bhagavate Sri Arunachala Ramanaya. Thank you.